everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for uh, watching or listening in again. Uh, today is another visuals oriented episode. I'm here with two of uh, legitimately some of my favorite PJs at the Chronicle. Fan favorites, uh, staff favorites as well. You guys are well loved at the Chronicle. And so I'm really excited for our audience to get to know you both. Um, I think before we start to talk about what we're going to talk about today, I would love to start if you two would, uh, you know, give us a little bit of an introduction on who you are and what you do. Uh, Mengxin, let's start with you. Hi, um, my name is Mengxin Li. I'm a staff photojournalist at the Columbia Chronicle, and I'm originally from Taiwan. I love to cover uh, protests and social issues uh, to tell the stories that needed to be told. And yeah, glad to be here. Spoken like a, a true journalist. Tell the stories that need to be told. That's so noble of you. I love it. It fits in well. Zach, tell us about uh, a bit about yourself. Yeah, hi. I'm uh, Zach Klingenfield, uh, Zach or Zachary. Um, I'm a photojournalist on the Columbia Chronicle. Um, yeah, I've been covering a lot of protests, a lot of, um, a lot of different uh, activist actions throughout the city. Um, yeah, I like uh, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I also... Uh, you know, in my personal work, I've been uh, photographing a lot of uh, skateboarders and the skate community in Chicago. So that's awesome. I see this is similar to when I did the, the music episode because I, I'm always I'm intimidated by two people. I'm intimidated by musicians and I'm intimidated by photographers as well, because in the film department, I'm I stay as far away from the camera and all that as possible. Um, it's so, so scary. I don't like all the techie stuff. So this is, uh, this is going to be an interesting episode. I think I'm sort of facing my fears on this one. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, you know, we're talking all things uh, related to photo today. There's been a couple things, you know, I'm pretty, I'll be honest, I'm pretty detached from the photo world. And so honestly, I feel like today I'm going to learn more than I'm going to speak, which, you know, maybe will be nice for our viewers to hear me not, you know, like uh, talk on and on and on forever. Um, but you know what? Uh, let's start sort of with Mengxin. I know you wanted to talk about something that I think is really relevant to a lot of the coverage we've been doing at the Chronicle recently, especially. Um, do you want to sort of lead into uh, you know what's been on your mind? Yeah. So uh, especially this year, there's so many protests going on. Uh, the Black Lives Matter definitely, mm -hmm. and so there is an argument on whether photographer should or should not blur the protesters' face uh, when we publish the photo. Right. And, yeah. And so I, I know that um, th I, this conversation has been going on for a while, but I feel like recently is when it's sort of been um, like you're right with the Black Lives Matter protests is when it sort of hit its peak. Um, where do you guys stand on uh, on this? I, I'm sure you guys have had to like sort of I, I feel like it w when you look at it as a journalist, you kind of have to you feel for the people and you understand what they want to do. But you also have to approach it from like we can't be biased and there's all this. Have you guys had to like, you know, sort of how do you navigate that? You know what I mean? What would you guys say? Um, I feel like it really depends on where we uh, we covered the protest and like. Really? I mean, in Hong Kong, this argument is even more sensitive. Um, I still remember my lens always got like hit by the protester when really? I try to document their face, although their face always get covered. But mm -hmm. there is one example I always like to tell is that there was a protester in Hong Kong who stabbed a police and um, there is a mainstream media who got a photo of his face, soon published that photo that show, uh, clearly right. show his face. Right. And all the comments below are blaming the, the new mainstream media and saying that, thank you for providing the evidence to the police. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow. 
And after that, they soon delete that photo and they include the photo that got blurred uh, of his face. But at that same night, that protester got arrested by police. Right, because um, I saw it. On the flight that he's escaping to London. Oh so my God. Wow. And this guy just disappeared from the media after that. Really? It happened this year. But I feel like in America, um, we have the freedom of speech. Um, mm -hmm. We have the freedom to take photos in public. And like uh, two days ago, we were covering um, defend the election protest. And mm -hmm. there's a protester who come after me and say, I cannot take her photograph and I cannot take her photograph without her permission. Right. And I don't need her permission at all. But I mean, I would respect when people say that to me and I wouldn't use a photograph that would harm their um, them a, a person because uh, right. we put being a human before them being a photographer. Yeah. So I wouldn't do that. And I, I feel like in the U.S. society, there is more um, law enforcement, enforcement that mm -hmm. can that doesn't harm people's, um, you know, like compared to Hong Kong. So I wouldn't blur a, a protester's uh, face um, unless um, that will harm them. Right. Them, That's know? interesting that you sort of, because yeah, you cover the Hong Kong protest as well. That's really interesting that you were sort of able to see, you know, both sides of that. I had no idea. I hadn't even heard, you know, that story of somebody, you know, it's interesting because there are really, there are very real stakes uh, to what could happen, you know, if a photo like that gets out and the face isn't blurred. Um, but at the same time, a public protest is a public protest, you know, Zach, sort of where are you on this? Yeah, um, I'd like to echo a lot of what Meng Chen said. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, it is like a, it's a re really difficult topic and um, yeah. it can be a, a very thin line that you ride as a photojournalist uh, between, you know, what is, um, what is a, uh, what is a correct telling of the narrative and right. what is one that could harm any, anyone involved. Um, so, you know, I, I'd like to mention that like, um, ideally, um, you know, you, you never necessarily need a face in order to, to uh, tell a story. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of protests and, um, you know, a, a lot of times as far as um, our journalistic ethics go, uh, we, we, we don't blur faces. We don't um, necessarily edit, uh, you know, the pixels of an image for right. the sake of um, maintaining certain journalistic standards. Um, but there are other ways to, you know, sort of, sort of, deny a face in an image, um, right. you know, wait, waiting for that moment where a poster covers someone's mm -hmm. face, mm -hmm. um, you know, photographing things that aren't necessarily, um, you know, human subjects right. um, in, in a protest. And uh, I think it's like, you know, it just takes a lot of discretion to know um, what to what to photograph and what not to photograph. And um, yeah. That's a really interesting point. I haven't even thought about that. But so when you're when you're covering locations, both of you guys, do you do that where you're sort of waiting for moments where the face is obscured or obstructed? Um, and do you sort of like you frame for that? You plan for that when you go into these situations? Um, I mean, I do actually, because um, yeah. like when covering election too, because we we are not allowed to take uh, voters' uh, face without right. getting their permission. Right. So I would try to find an angle that would actually not showing their entire face or ah. the side of their face. Um, I think during the pandemic, this kind of helped a lot because everybody's wearing a mask. So it's right. easier not showing their face. And sometimes you can get a really nice and cool perspective to do that too. So 
at the same time, we can find a balance um, for artistic choice. And mm -hmm. at the same time, we can tell the story. That's interesting. That's really, really interesting. I know we just did the uh, the portrait series um, that you guys did on all the the election voters, which was wonderful. And everybody listening or watching should check that out. Um, it's cool for me to hear sort of how these these I, you know these decisions to me and probably the people listening is like wow you know like how do you do that in like split second to get the frame you're looking for? Um, I think that's pretty incredible. It's pretty wild that you guys are capable of that. Um, Zach, is this something you've also sort of been cognizant of? Is this idea of like you know well um, you know we don't need to. Uh, I like what you said earlier about, you know, you don't need a face to necessarily tell a story. Actually, let me ask, do you think a lot of photographers forget about that, especially sort of now with everything that's going on? Um, I wouldn't say uh, necessarily they mm -hmm. forget about that. Um, but you had to understand, like, like when you're at a protest, sort of, um, you know, what's going on. Right. So, um, you know, most most protests involve um, you know, marching of some sort. And th this goes for, you know, anything, whether it's, you know, a Black Lives Matter protest. Um, I covered a uh, an anti uh, an anti ice action mm -hmm. earlier in the year and that involved marching. And, um, you know, a lot of that is, is chanting. So when you're, right. when you're sort of um, when you're sort of like a newer photographer, uh, you're going to be drawn to, you know, the loudest people, the, you know, the most, um, most passionate people, because that's where the interesting photographs are. Mm -hmm. And because of that, um, you, you will photograph people's faces. It's just inevitable. Right. Um, so I, I think, I think, yeah, it's, it's like, I, I do think photographers um, can forget that they have, you know, people's backs as an option, people's right. fists in the air as an option. Right. Um, so yeah. And, and I, I'd also like to add that, like, um, for example, like at the defend um, the election protest, um, you know, you like it's not it's not unethical necessarily to um, photograph, you know, the key actors of an event, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, if there's any speakers and stuff like that, that I would I would say that that is those are instances where faces are important for telling the story. Yeah. So it's so it's situational, I, I guess, you know. Um, you know, th that's interesting. I feel like a, a lot of like the, the blurring, the, the faces thing. Cause we, I remember when I was working on the FYI video we did at the Chronicle about the, um, uh, some of the black lives matter protests. And we were like, that's when I think the first time we were like, well, should we blur in the video? Like the people that were like, um, you know, hitting these cars or whatever it was, um, you know, I think for, uh, us, and then we wrote an editor's note on it was like, um, you know, there's a, there was a very clear gap in, um, you know, what a journalist understands is like ethical and what they should do versus sort of what the public thinks that a, a journalist, you know, role is. Um, so in your guys's work, have you had to, have you ever had to, um, how do you, how do you work with that? You know, when, when you, uh, you have to see it from both sides. You sort of know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it. Uh, I guess I could say, uh, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase it. It's a really weird place. Have you guys had to, um, sort of, you know, how do you defend your work in a spot where people come at it and they're like, well, why, why aren't you blurring their faces? You know, why, I mean, you could put people at harm. What do you say? You know, have you had to do that or no, hopefully not. Um, I would say like, uh, I, I haven't necessarily had like a, I'm sorry. No I, confrontation. Um, I, I would say that like, yeah, I haven't necessarily had an instance where, um, where someone has, you know, approached me about that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, However, I will say, um, you know, on, in my portfolio and um, on my on my Instagram, um, when I post protest photos, I usually, you know, blur out faces um, oh, and yeah. stuff like that. 
Um, your it's, it's usually stuff. just yeah, it's usually just for the chronicle uh, where. I don't, you know, blur out images. Right. Um, I will say once I was approached, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about like what sort of blurring, uh, you know, is, is effective and what it's not. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have been approached a couple of times um, about, you know, the ways in which I censor people's faces. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like people have a lot of different um, opinions on that. Uh, really? You know, like some How people so? will. Um, so it, like um, one method of, you know, blurring people's faces is, um, just to use, uh, you know, a, a blurring filter and to mm -hmm. sort of mask it just to people's faces. And um, I think there has been discussion over how easy or difficult it is to recover information from a situation like that. Right, right. Um, some people will do something similar where they, um, using Photoshop, will, you know, lay objects on top of people's faces. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've seen emojis, I've seen black boxes. Right, right. Um, there's also argument over whether those files can be recovered and uh, removed. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, I won't say specifically like the way I, in which I blur right. faces, but. That's crazy. I didn't know that there even was a conversation about that. That's interesting. So the fear is that like somebody could go in and, and like, you know, through what would it be like the metadata of the image or something like that and like find the original or how does that work? Either the metadata or through machine learning software. Oh my God. Now we're going to get into AI, dude. We can talk about AI for hours. AI is so freaking scary. That's crazy. So there's some real world stake to this stuff. That's a lot of pressure for you guys. Why do you do this? Why are you photographers? There's so much pressure. I wouldn't want to get involved with that. I think it's a little bit easier when you're writing and like you're, uh, you're not there, you know, necessarily, unless you're covering the event even reading there's like a, a distance there you know what i mean but i guess overall we can sort of since we uh you know trying to keep on on schedule we are anti blurring faces unless you know certain situations where it's warranted or in our personal work however you personally feel about it i suppose sure um for the, for the chronicle or, or or for us well that well so why is there a difference that's interesting you know I have my opinions, but I just talked a lot of function once a... Oh, uh, I don't blur faces. At all? I feel, no, not at all. I never right. blur faces because I feel like people should be proud of what they are protesting for. Right. And as soon as they are not violating any law, and I feel like in the U.S., people are not violating law to mm -hmm. just be in gutter compared to Hong Kong, but at the same time, Hong Kong police is gathering all the information. They have right. a 360 camera is capturing every single protester's face. So at the same time, they think I'm doing something wrong. And unless the protester um, come to me and say I, I, he doesn't want his face to be shown, then I, right. I don't publish that photograph. And so I won't even blur that face because I won't even publish it. And um, mm. yeah, and at the same time, I always ask myself, am I making the person I photograph comfortable? Mm -hmm. um, and am I an ethical photographer? And I, I think so for now, like I, I, I think I'm not trying to harm anyone and I really want to tell their stories because I respect what they are fighting for. No matter they are Trump supporters or no, no matter right. they are Black Lives Matter supporters, I think their opinions and stories matter. So they should be proud what they are going for. Yeah. And so you think blurring the face or, you know, censoring or whatever it is sort of takes away from whatever they're trying to say. 
Yes, definitely. Like, I yeah. mean, there's so many emotions through their eyes, yeah. through what they are chanting, and that moment is really important. So I think that would be taken away. And rather than blurring her face, I would just not publish that photo if that's right. the choices. Yeah. Okay, I see. I mean, that's interesting to see how you guys have, you two have a similar, I think, approaches to it, but in a different sort of way, which I think is an interesting thing. Because is it, you know, it seems like it's a situation where, you know, every photographer in every situation the photographer in is going to be different, right? And so it's all, do you sort of have to just take it, you know, one after the other, shot by shot? Yeah, um, like, like I'll say, um, like, like, the way uh the way Munchen described I think is um like like completely valid and like yeah. you know I'm not the type of person to ever tell another photographer um you know that's uh that's uh that's unethical or that's I mean, oh okay that's not true but uh, I'm not the type of photographer <laughs> to tell to tell um you know to tell to tell another photographer you know unpublish a photo or blur, or blur a right, face you right. know if they feel as though um they're acting properly and no one uh, is harmed by their images I I think it's totally fine. Um, I'll say though, like, um, like I like what Munchen said about, um, about like, like not publishing images generally, mm -hmm. like I, I don't blur faces. Um, and if I'll, and if I'll publish like a photo, I'll try to find ones that don't have faces right. in them. Right. I see. That's interesting. Also, uh, what you were saying earlier about like, um, like what, what is the difference? I would mm -hmm. say that like when, when a viewer, uh, visits a newspaper or a, um, or a website, they they expect. Um, I'm sorry. When when a viewer approaches a newspaper yeah. and uh, you know intakes the images and text in in that newspaper, they expect a certain ethical consistency. Right. And right. Um, and if an image is willing to print photographs, I'm sorry. If a newspaper is willing to print photographs that uh, are you know are blurred in any way or or the pixels are manipulated in any mm -hmm. um, you know noticeable way then a viewer is going to question every image they see from that. Right, right. However, um, you know, when I publish a photograph either, you know, on, on my Instagram or yeah. on, on my website, um, there's a different expectation there. Right. And uh, I think that if I value um, my subjects, but I also, uh, you know, value the images that I'm, I'm taking, it's worth the sacrifice of blurring someone's face for that. Right. Okay, I see. Yeah, that clarifies it. I think that's really interesting. Sort of that, um, you know, that difference in you know what it's like to to photograph for yourself versus you know having to work for somewhere and represent the entire institution. Because that would probably make him question the writing too. You know, all that stuff. Um, great. All right. Well, hey, we're uh, we got to keep this thing going. So Zach, I'm gonna throw it over to you. This is a buttery smooth transition onto the second portion of this episode. Zach, you brought in something uh, recently that sort of just uh, turned into a, a much larger deal, but it's been an ongoing sort of issue, right? Yeah. Um, and you're referring to Magnum? I'm referring to Magnum. Tell us about it. Yeah. So um, for any viewers that might not know, uh, Magnum Photos is a photo agency. It was started uh, back in the 40s, uh, 1940s, by a group of um, you know, well-known photographers and um the whole idea of the firm is that it is uh, owned and operated by the photographers that make it up. Mm. Um, over the past year, you know, we've seen a lot of different um, mediums sort of see their own um, their own waves of holding uh, holding people in power accountable. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if uh, I don't know if you'd necessarily discussed it in the past um, on on the platform, but um, 
but I know Twitch earlier this year had yeah. an instance where a lot of Twitch creators were held accountable for mm -hmm. sexual misconduct and um, the, the melee gaming community oh, was yeah. also held oh, yeah. accountable. Yeah. Um, so photography has, is sort of starting to see a similar wave mm -hmm. and um, Magnum has been hit in a certain way by that. Um, they have a photographer you know, who's been with them for a long time who's done a lot of photography for uh, National Geographic mm -hmm. named David Allen Harvey. Mm -hmm. um, so this guy is, you know, a, a well-respected photographer. Uh, he is published in, in high-ranking newspapers. And, um, and uh, you know, Fuji sponsors him. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, so recently he came under fire for two separate incidences. Uh, one was a series of images um, published in Magnum uh, that uh, depict uh, um, prostitutes in Thailand. Uh, mm -hmm. And there were allegations that some of the people photographed were underage. Right. Um, so after that incident, Magnum uh, took down the series from their catalog. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, there was discussion of suspending him. Um, more recently, yeah. he has been um, accused of unspecified sexual misconduct allegations. Mm -hmm. And I believe either a day ago or two days ago, um, he was suspended for the for the year uh for magnum which is for just the a first, year uh, yes yeah. for just a year however it is um noteworthy that right this is like historical precedent like like there's no historical precedent to this um right. this is the longest suspension magnum has ever done for a photographer wow. um that's interesting that it took i i that's interesting that it took uh like two separate um, situations. What do you know? When when did the uh, the issue sort of with those photographs of the the prostitutes? When did that sort of was that recent or was that uh, a while ago? I believe it was over this summer. However, the images oh, okay. were made back in the eighties. Oh, so they were older and they were just yeah. recently published. Well, that's that's interesting though. That I mean, even then, I feel like uh, like obviously, I think what you said earlier about how this is sort of like been a wave that's been hitting sort of every different area. Uh, you know, you're right. This happened like in the uh, live streaming gaming community recently. Obviously, it happened in the film community um, and all that. It's interesting that it took uh, you know until now to reach the photo world, and it also took this guy like two separate allegations in order to get this guy suspended. Um, you know, is this sort of uh, is this common? In the photo world, again, I know nothing about this. Um, what would you guys have, have? Have there been suspensions similar to this happening recently, or is this sort of like the one example? Um, I would say like the most common controversy, uh, and this is more along the lines of um, his series on in Thailand. Mm -hmm. um, but often there's a lot of uh, you know ethical question as far as whether documentary photographers are exploiting their subjects. Right. Um, a similar, right. a similar, you know, series of photographs to this um, by a photographer named Mary Ellen Mark, mm -hmm. um, in which she photographed prostitutes. Um, you know, has come under fire for being exploitative. Um, you right. know, she appropriates these people's images, and um, and uh, you know, she's not necessarily um, providing any means of escape or of right. um, you know protection for these people. Right. Yeah, that's interesting because I was thinking about that too. Is the relationship, um, you know, between the photographer and the subject is such a, a delicate thing, right? Uh, Meng Sheen, you want to speak on that a little bit? I feel like you have a lot of, especially with the amount of event coverage you do and the amount of just people you interact with when you go out and take photos. Um, 
what's that relationship like? You know, how do you protect those people and, and keep their, you know, how do you prioritize them? I, I, I'm speechless. I don't know. That's a, right. that's something that I was interested in because uh, I lived in Hawaii for a while and mm -hmm. there's a lot of, like there was a, a sex worker's house like right next to where I live. Yeah. And I always wanted to go ask if I could photograph them mm -hmm. at the same time, uh, somehow I could protect them. Right. But I don't know. I feel like this is an issue that we should care about. Like mm -hmm. uh, there's always an argument uh, whether or not we should legalize sex workers. That's somehow right. that we could protect them. And um, I really don't know. I feel like uh, photographing and share their stories is a way to let people to focus on this problem right. even more. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the, where the line is, that's something that we need to talk about here. Right. It's also interesting that like, because, um, you know, um, coming from the, the film and like documentary world, um, there's like always a conversation of, well, you know, well, how much should the documentarian and in this case documentary photographer right sort of like imprint themselves on their subject and like be a presence in their life you know should they be purely objective and like stay at a distance and just observe or should they be in there you know um ha have you guys sort of had to you know where do you guys fall on that line do you think that photographers should do something you know for their subjects to keep their their needs priority or do you think well the photo is the photo right and they just take it and that's it what do you think I know it's a loaded question. Moshe, do you want to? Oh, okay, yeah, sure. I feel like, uh, like, like um, you mentioned earlier about documentary where we really need to, uh, before we start a project, we need to break, like, put a line over there. Like, mm. we can't stay being further. Like, some sometimes we might can help the subject by doing something, but there is a. A, a really clear line that we should not stepping that much like right i mean it definitely helps if we get into their life but there's a lot of photographer who like really be part of them like right. um right there's a lot of homelessness project or um gangster project that the photographer will be part of the gang or they would just right. be part of the homeless in order to to produce that um project i mean that works super well and strong but at the same time, I wouldn't let myself in that situation because I know that emotional charge would be a lot to myself and it's right. hard for me to get out from it. Mm. So um, that's why I would put a line there not stepping further than that. Right. Zach, what do you think about this stuff? Yeah, um, so like, like I was saying earlier, um, you know, there's a common term uh, for for a certain uh, I would say like subgenre of documentary photography called um, like like dropship documentary dropship documentary photography yeah what's, what's um, that and uh, you know you see this a lot with um, like photojournalism but the the idea is that um, you know you take these photographers from you know privileged communities um, communities where they have the resources to you know pursue photography. And you put them in communities, um, you know, where they might not have those same resources. Right, right. And, um, you know, a lot of times these photographers go in and they, they, you know, they don't know about what they're right. photographing when right. they go into it. Right. They, they're, um, you know, they come from a place of, uh, of ignorance on the topics that they're covering. Mm -hmm. And um, it can be really 
you know, dangerous and, and difficult to ride that line. You know, yeah, I would never yeah. say um, to a photographer, you know, that they shouldn't pursue whatever they want to photograph. Um, but I would say the bare minimum you can do for protecting your subjects is being well-informed about right. the topic you're covering. So, and that's a really interesting point. My, my, what I'm curious about is, you know, it's h- how do you know when a subject is being exploited? You know, you take a look at the situation that you brought up today, right, with Magnum. Uh, how, you know, what are the signs that that's exploitative? Because, I mean, for again, you know, for people like me who don't, you know, aren't really able to see that line as clearly, um, what would you sort of say about that? Do you feel like would, that dropship idea? Sorry. Do, do you feel like that dropship idea, is that exploitative, right? Like taking people in and just throwing them in and letting them snap away? What do you think? Um, like I said, like I would never tell a photographer uh, not to pursue a subject mm-hmm. that they wanted to. Um, however, I would say that uh, this is a, a very obvious example of dropship documentary. Yeah. Um, in that, in that, um, you know, assuming the allegations are true that um, some of the subjects were underage. Right. Um, you know, this photographer doesn't even have. Um, Right. doesn't even have the care enough to you know, figure out whether yeah. the subjects he's publishing <laughs> are underage. Right, I see. So, you know, he's, he's in this community that is not his own. Um, he's, you know, come there from abroad, and um, he's not necessarily informed enough to protect his subjects. I think it's a, it's a, um, it is a, it is a, uh, what is it? It is the platonic form of dropship documentary. <laughs> the platonic form. Well said. That's yeah. That that's really interesting. I think that's a good way to put it. That definitely clarifies sort of the the situation for me. It seems like a lot of that stuff is just like common sense, though. You know, if you if you're taking photographs of somebody and they're nude, well, you should probably know how old they are. You know, uh, you know, is that is I I don't know. Why why did this guy did he forget or did he just you know what do you think? It's a good question. I don't want to make any. You know? uh, I don't want to make any assumptions. assumptions. Yeah, I get yeah. you. I understand. And obviously, you know, I haven't seen the images. Um, yeah. I don't think that they're published anywhere right now since Magnum has taken them down. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. That's interesting. I will say one one other thing that this sort of brings to mind, and I I wonder, um, Mongshin, if you have anything to say about this, because this is something that I you know I pay attention to in a lot of the the movies I watch is like like an obvious example is how um you know like how nudity is is depicted in american movies or just advertisements you know for f- photography advertisements whatever it is versus you know uh advertisements for films from you know in europe or you know in asia or whatever it is how how sort of those different cultural norms and, and practices sort of work their ways in with uh you know what's okay to see and what's okay to take a picture. you know what i mean um and obviously, this is a situation where it's pretty wrong either way. Um, but, you know, Mangshino, I wonder, is, is there anything sort of from your experience where you've been in a situation where maybe a photo you've taken, you know, from Hong Kong or whatever it is, you know, would not be accepted, you know, there, but, you know, here in America, right, where, you know, something like that, we're okay with it, or maybe the other way around. Have you ran into a situation like that with something you've worked on before? Um, I saw an ex- example that um, they got locked down in a college and um, a photographer followed a group of protesters in mm-hmm. there for a long period of time because they couldn't escape out of the, the college. As soon as they go out, they will got arrested by the police. Wow. So they were in there for, yeah. I, I forgot how many days, but it's more than two weeks. 
And so um, they try to find a way to escape. And the photographer um, like take took the photo of how they escape and the route yeah. they escape. Although the photographer avoid um, to take their faces, take right. photograph of their faces. But as soon as he published that series of work, um, he got a lot of blame from over over the internet too. Wow. And um, I mean, I respect that photographer a lot. Mm -hmm. So I myself, I don't think he harmed the protest protester in any way. And yeah. he soon like delete that post. And yeah. um and but I, I I saw it right after he posted it. And I'm in my perspective, I think he do whatever he can to protect protect the the protester because I mean there's a lot of foreigners like me are stand with Hong Kong protester. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I could say that loud here because yeah. I'm in the U.S. and uh, yeah. I'm actually worried to get back to Hong Kong because mm -hmm. I, I think I think I will get arrested too. So yeah, um, I don't know. Um, I'm always curious, like what, why, um, if this is like an issue, like a topic, why he can be published that right. series of photograph. If like underage sex worker, it might be an issue in Thailand. That right. should be something that people should be care about and maybe mm -hmm. that series of work can 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 show the story um right. as soon as we can protect the people being photographed but like yeah. I mean, how so we must see that work to to know how like how how much it being impact right so it's yeah it seems like it depends on whether or not you know what your sort of your motivation is in going to like those those communities that are sort of under fire or under harm right and like you know what, what are you trying to get out of it right you're trying to make a quick buck or are you really trying to tell a story that you're right you know does matter right um it's a really really interesting and sort of tricky place to navigate that most professions i don't think have to think about you know so you guys pick the hard one you guys are doing all the extra work all right. Well, hey, I think that, you know, we are at about time for the episode. I want to say thank you guys for, uh, you know, tuning in today. Uh, and thank you, Zach. And thank you, Meng Sheen, for joining me today. I really appreciate our discussion. I really do feel like I took like a master class today in like uh, the ethics of photography. It's a heavy episode, but I feel like there's a lot to, uh, you know, extract from what we talked about today. So thank you so much. And uh, to everybody, thank you. and Have a good day.